Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I want to talk about four things this month that I think the birth of Jesus and Christmas brings. And I think it's helpful for all of us. Go to the book of Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans chapter 5. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them you look fantastic today. No, no, no. But I need you to really look at somebody in the eye and tell them you look incredible this afternoon. Tell them to smile. Come on, encourage somebody. Look at the other neighbor, the one you first ignored, and tell them you look all right. No, just kidding. Tell them you look better than my first neighbor. Come on. Tell somebody to smile. We're in church. Come on, somebody. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Next week, we're talking about a very important topic that I think is going to help a lot of us, especially through this holiday season, and it's peace. And so I'm excited to talk about peace next week. Something about the holiday season, like, like I think a lot of us, we, we celebrate and we put up lights and trees and all that, and we have a good time. But, but for a lot of people, it can also highlight a lot of things that they don't have. And it can highlight things that are missing in their life. And so I think we're going to talk about some things that the birth of Jesus and the season brings to us. And so next week is peace. Um, Today I want to talk about hope. Hope. Somebody say hope. Pray for me. I'm fighting through this cold. I've been fighting for it for a week and a half already. And um, I'm going to try to like, you know, do as best as I can at 1 p.m. But it's been a struggle. I'm on Struggle Street today with my voice and my nose. I sound congested. Somebody told me something. I don't know if it was a compliment or they were just telling me something extremely bad after the 11. They're like, oh, my God, you sound so nasally or whatever it is. I'm like, thank you. God bless you. Romans chapter 5. <laughs> So just pray for me to get through this. Romans chapter 5, we're beginning to read in verse 1. If you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. Paul is writing and he says this. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope. Somebody shout hope. Hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Come on, how good is that right there? Romans chapter 5. The first five verses, Paul is telling us something extremely important. We're going to land there today and talk about that for the next maybe about 20, 25 minutes. Then we're going to worship Jesus. But but I want to talk about hope today. In fact, if you're taking notes, whether it's on a phone or a notebook, I want to talk to you around this uh, title, Hold On to Hope. Hold on to hope. Tell three people around you, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask Jesus to have his way here today, and um, we'll speak a little bit about hope, and I really believe this. I really believe that some people are going to leave out of here with more hope than they came in, 
And I pray that some people today probably walked in with no hope. And I'm praying that a breath of fresh air will fall upon you. And not because of anything I say, but because of what the Word of God says. And you'll leave out of here feeling better and knowing that God is for you. God is on your side. And if he's for you, who can stand against you? Come on, anybody believe that today? Come on, we're believing that. And uh, we'll worship Jesus. And then uh, we're going to have communion at the end of service today. I think it's going to be special. And then we'll go have eggnog outside. Anybody down? Let's do it. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your love. Thank you for already the incredible day that it's been. Thank you for so many people starting a relationship with you and people being filled with hope, our hearts with hope, our souls with hope. Thank you that you are the God of hope. In this season, it comes to remind us that we have hope in you. Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. It's in your name that we pray. All of God's people say Oh, come on, all of God's people say, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on, let's go. Waiting, I think we all dislike waiting. I, I think I've never met anybody that enjoys waiting. If you're in here today and you enjoy waiting, can you give us a wave? If you're a person that loves to wait. Mo waved. He's the only one. That's why he's still waiting on his wife. But other than that, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. We all, <laughs> that's my brother. You waved. You waved. You did it. Um, we all, <laughs> he really waved and he was just trying to be funny. Um, and so I was funny back. Ha! I got the mic. Um, okay. Um, I, I think all of us, <laughs> I think all of us dislike waiting. Come on. Anybody, anybody dislike waiting? Come on. Whether it's waiting in traffic, anybody dislike waiting in traffic? Maybe you dislike being in long lines at the bank or an amusement park. or Like just, I don't like waiting. We get annoyed waiting. We get frustrated waiting. Have you ever waited uh, to be served dinner? Come on. Sometimes that can be frustrating as well. We, we don't like waiting. This past week, Thanksgiving was on Thursday, and I pray we all had an incredible time. Two days before on Tuesday, um, me and Dana just recently moved into a new place, and so we had our first, like, invite get-together dinner at our house, and we decided to do it with all of our location leaders, our campus pastors. We invited to come over the house and just have a good time because they've worked so hard every single week, week in and week out. Anybody grateful for our campus pastors across all of our locations, Kendall, City, and West? Come on, can we give them a big hand for all they do? They're amazing. And so, um, and so they came over the house, and, and we had an incredible time. The, the problem was that the day didn't go as planned for me because I, I was frustrated. And, and I, I learned a valuable lesson on Tuesday. I, I had been rushing all day, and I really couldn't wait to get home and get the dinner prepared. Uh, the thing is, what I'm doing now, I'm doing this thing called intermittent fasting. Come on, have you heard of this thing? intermittent fasting. You don't eat for several hours a day, whether that's 16 hours, 18 hours, and you only have either one meal or two meals a day. It's really good, and it helps me to keep in the incredible shape that I am. And so, um, and so I'm doing that. And so all of Tuesday, I knew I was going to eat, eat like a big dinner at night, so, so I was doing intermittent fasting on Tuesday. And I said, okay, I'm not going to eat till dinner time because I know it's going to be a good time with friends and all that. But, but the day just got busy, and we were rushing, and I was trying to rush to get home. We hadn't been able to go do grocery shopping, so I, we had to go to the grocery store and buy that. And, and it just felt like I was waiting forever to get home and cook dinner. And I just kept waiting and waiting. And, and, and I was excited. I wanted to get home because I finally got my first grill. Come on, I own a grill now. Come on, somebody. Ah, 
ah, excited to grill and I feel like an adult now. Come on. And so I was excited to grill, but my dad came over to help me hang up some lights in my backyard. And it felt like it was going to take forever to set up the grill and start the fire up. And it just felt like, like we were waiting so long just after. We didn't have dinner until about 9 o'clock at night. And it felt like forever. But I learned this, that, that great things take time. Great things take time. Waiting. We all hate it, but... But waiting is a part of life. Life is full of waiting. In fact, our spiritual journey is going to include a whole lot of waiting. And I really think that the world that we live in today has conditioned us to live in a rushed pace. We want everything fast. We want to make sure that whatever we want to receive, we need to have it fast. We need it delivered as fast as possible. Now there's a competition on which company can deliver goods as fast as possible to our doorstep. We're living in a fast-paced world. No longer is it the world of dial-up where the little AOL man is running across the screen. Now we got Wi-Fi. We're talking about 5G, and we're trying to see how we can get this world to move as fast as as possible which drive-through is the fastest which person is who can deliver pizza the fastest to your house right we want expedited shipping on everything and we live in this world we've been conditioned that we should move at a fast pace the problem is we bring that over to god now and we think that god should work in the same way that the world works oh god god you're, you're taking a little bit too long god God, I think Amazon Prime is a little bit faster than you. God, God you need some pep in your set. Have you ever been frustrated waiting on God? Come on. God, you're taking way too long to answer this. God, why, God, you need to be a little bit faster. You need, you need to be a little bit more rapid. God, why are you taking so long? Here's the problem, though. God doesn't live in time. He created time and he placed us in time and he at one point came into time but God lives outside of time we live in time God lives in a in a state called eternity and so he doesn't function like you and I function we are on different schedules and different timetables than God and so when we think God is late he's probably just on time in his place and so we're here saying God you need to move faster God I need this prayer answered you are taking forever but can i tell you god is never late god is never early he's always on schedule according to his calendar according to his schedule according to his time he is a god who's always right on time so if you're waiting hold on to hope because he's coming on his time and his time is always right because can i tell you the right thing at the wrong timing can be a wrong thing but in his timing is always going to be perfect Here's the problem, though. We wait and we wait and we wait. And this is what happens. A lot of us, we lose faith when we have to wait. We lose faith. God, I'm done. You're taking too long. God, I'm finished. You're taking way too long. God, I'm, I am finished with you. I'm fed up. Hey, I'll put it this way. Ultimately, we lose hope when we have to wait on God. We lose hope. Hope goes out the window. And, and all of a sudden, if you don't have hope, you don't trust in God. And there's a problem because you can't have a relationship if there's no trust in the relationship. And so all of us, we're in a dilemma because we love God, but yet we can't trust God and what he's doing in his timing. God, you're taking way too long. I love you. I want to believe you, but I don't trust your timing. I think my timing is better than yours. And so it causes a problem. Maybe you're in here today 
And you, you, you've been waiting and you're saying, Alex, but, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm in a waiting place. Have you ever been in a waiting place with God? Maybe you walked in today and you're saying, Alex, I've been waiting for a long time for an answered prayer request. Maybe you walked in today and you say, Alex, you know how long I've been single? <laughs> I've been waiting on God to answer this prayer request. Everybody else found a partner and got married, but here I am still waiting. God, have you forgotten about me? Maybe you're already married and you're saying, Alex, but you don't know, my, my marriage is on the rocks. We're going through a hard time. Everybody else, it seems like they get restored and God is blessing them. What about me, God? Ever been there? God, I'm waiting. Maybe you walked in today and you're married and, and you're trying to have a baby and you're saying, Alex, like, how long is this promise going to take? Somebody else got their breakthrough. They got a miracle. But here we are waiting on a baby. Or maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I've been looking for a job forever. I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to make a living, but, but I can't seem to find a job. And I'm, I'm waiting on God. It seems like he's forgotten about me. Maybe you're in here and you, you have kids, but your kids are far from God. Or one of them is caught up in a bad addiction or a habit. And you're here saying, how long until God comes through? Right? All of us go through periods of waiting. Can I remind you this afternoon that just because you're waiting doesn't mean that God is not working. Oh, you may be waiting, but I can assure you that God is working. Maybe at your view, maybe at your point of view, you can't see that God is working. But beneath the surface, can I tell you, we have a God that is always working. And so you may be waiting, but he's always working. You may be wondering, but he's always working. We have a God that never sleeps. We have a God that never slumbers. Oh, come on. Our God is faithful. Our God is always working. I want to tell you, he's at work. Somebody shout work. And so while you're waiting, God is working on your behalf. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't overlooked you. God is working. And so I'll remind you this afternoon that your waiting season is never a wasted season with God. He's working something in you. You're waiting on God. God, when are you going to come through? And you don't know that he's working patience in you. He's working grace in you. He's working obedience in you. He's working generosity in your heart and in my heart. Whenever you're waiting, trust that God is working in your life. So I'm waiting, but God is working on me. He's working on my situation. He's orchestrating. He's moving pieces around. And so my waiting season is never a waste. How are you going to wait? Look what Pastor Nikki Gumbel says. He says, who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. What are you waiting for? Can I tell you? Who are you becoming in that waiting season is just as important. Are you going to be a person that gets frustrated, that gets angry, that has no grace, that has no patience? God is working. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's working on you. He's working on you. He's working on you. Your waiting season is never a wasted season. Oh, come on. He's working in my life, and he's working. And, and here's the thing. We, we give up on hope during our waiting season. I'm done, God. You're taking way too long, and if we're not careful, we'll give up on hope. But can I tell you, us believers in Jesus, we are a people of hope. You can't live without hope. You and I, we need hope. Hold on to hope because hope is going to tell you that he's working on it. He's working on your behalf. You and I need to hold on to hope. In fact, I'll tell you this today. Hold on to hope to walk over your worries. 
Hold on to hope because he's working on your behalf. Romans chapter 5. I love Romans chapter 5 because in Romans chapter 5, Paul is laying out an incredible argument, theological discussion about who we are in Jesus. This is powerful. For you to understand Romans chapter 5, you have to read Romans chapters 1 through 4. Obviously, he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. Now, many people, they believe that Romans is the absolute best letter that Paul ever wrote. Because it's rich in context, theological discourse. It's absolutely incredible. Paul is writing this letter to a church in Rome. Really, I believe he's writing this letter for Christians throughout history. And so it's good for us to go and and read it and see what Paul was trying to say in the book of Romans. He's laying out basically almost like a college-level type class in the book of Romans. It's awesome. you got to read it. It teaches you all about our faith. Just to give you a little bit of context, Romans chapters 1 through 4... What Paul is basically trying to say in the first four chapters of the book of Romans is that all of us are sinners. Right? right. Right? Because Jews back then believed that they were right with God. They had a good standing with God. But Gentiles, they were the ones that were sinners. They were the ones that were far from God. And Paul's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. We're all sinners before God. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care if you wear a robe and they had Gucci sandals going into synagogue, you're still a sinner. I don't care how many songs you know. I don't care if you go to Christmas at Calvary. I don't care if you know all the worship songs. I don't care if you're a churchgoer or you stay at home. I don't care if you're a believer or a non-believer. Every single human being is inclined to sin. This is like there's not one perfect person in here and we are all in need of a Savior named Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so Paul... Chapters 1 through 4, he's saying, mm, we're, we're all sinners. Every single one of us, we are messed up, jacked up. We need Jesus. We need a Savior. And so toward the end of chapters 3 and 4, he starts to say, but thanks be to God because he provided his son named Jesus. And through Jesus and his blood, we have forgiveness of our sins. We have redemption. And now we can stand before God justified, meaning just as if we never sinned. It's a powerful discourse that Paul is giving. And he says, hey, because of the blood of Jesus, because he came down and he died in our place, Jews and Gentiles now can stand right before God. We are justified. Justified is just a theological word that means you and I are now just as if we never sinned before God. Come on, anybody grateful for the blood of Jesus? Come on, you got to give them a little bit better of a praise than that. Come on, if you're grateful for the blood of Jesus. Come on, if you're grateful for Calvary. If you're grateful for the cross, give Jesus a big praise in this place. Come on, he's a good God. And so because of the cross, you and I are justified. Okay, okay, so so now he gets to chapter 5. And he starts off, you know, remember this is one long letter. And so now in this new paragraph or new chapter, he says, therefore, because we are justified. Remember what he said in chapters 1 through 4. Because we are justified, it says we now have peace with God. We were at odds with God. We were at war with God because we were sinners. We were offending God. We thought wrong, did wrong, said wrong, all kind of wrong. God loves us, but he hates sin. And, and so we were at odds with God. But, but Paul says, now we have peace with God. And so Romans chapter 5, he begins by saying how the life of a believer is. It's a life full of peace for God now because we've been justified. He also says that life is still going to include suffering. That's a word we don't like. Let's go back to the peace with God. I don't like suffering. 
But Paul says, hold on, hold on. I know you're waiting and I know it looks like you're suffering, but suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character will lead you to hope. Come on, somebody shout hope. And so the life that is right with God has peace, has hope, even though they're suffering because of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so he talks about hope. You and I are a people of hope. Can I give you a quick definition of what hope is? Because I think we got hope all wrong in our culture today. In fact, I'll first tell you what hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. Like we use hope like that all the time. Like, come on, how many of us have used it? Like, man, I hope it's colder than just two days in Miami this week. Come on, somebody. I hope it gets a little bit colder this week and it stays cold for a week. Or, or we say, man, I hope the Dolphins beat the Eagles today. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm just hoping. We, we, we make a turnaround. Come on. I hope Giannis comes to play for the Heat and we win a championship again. Come on, somebody. Everybody believe that with me. Come on. I hope. I hope that my husband threw away the garbage last night. I really hope. I better not get home and see the garbage still there. Right? Like We use hope all the time. Hope is not optimistic that's worldly hope hope is not just wishful thinking hope is not psychological hope is theological the biblical hope is a constant assurance that God is working on my behalf even when I can sense it and even when I can see it I know that I know that I know that God is working for me that God is working in me and that God will make a way I got hope in the God that I know and I got hope in it come on anybody got hope this afternoon I got hope he he's gonna make a way I got hope somebody shout I got hope Hold on to hope because it's a biblical assurance that God, he's, he's working on my behalf. As we kick off this new season, I'm speaking about hope because I think a lot of us, we need to let hope arise in us again. We've given up on hope. We've given up on God and his promises. God is not there for me. God has forgotten. God has abandoned me. God has overlooked me. He'll bless somebody else. He'll do something for somebody else. We're cool, but he's not going to do that in my life. You need hope to rise again in your heart. In fact, I'll put it this way. You, you need hope in order to have faith. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith, somebody say now faith. Now faith, now faith is the confidence of the things hoped for. In other words, if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And if you don't have faith, the Bible says you can't please God. And so we need faith and hope. And so today, I, I'm just praying that God today will pour out hope over your soul, over your heart, over our lives, that we leave out of here knowing that God is a God faithful to his word, faithful to his promises. I may be waiting, but he's working something on my behalf. And so how does hope work, right? How does hope work? Okay, Alex, I want to have hope, but how does hope work? I'll give you three things. Let's write these down and, and then we'll worship God have communion and have eggnog, and we'll have an incredible Sunday afternoon. Right? But like, write this down. I think, I think hope works this way. I'll give you three quick ways, and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, I think, I think hope works as an anticipator. Somebody say anticipator. What does that mean? I think, I think that hope in you and I, it comes so that we live life with expectation. We live life in anticipation. When there's hope in you, you don't walk around with your head down saying, mm, God's not for me. He's not going to do anything. You walk around saying, I, I know he's for me. I'm getting ready because the blessing is coming. I know a miracle. Like you live life expecting something. 
It's the anticipator. Deep down inside, you have an expectation that God is going to move on your behalf. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how many closed doors there may be, no matter how much rain there may be, no matter how many waves and winds may crash on your life, I know that I know that I know I got an expectation on the inside. He'll surely make a way sooner or later. It's an intent. Oh, come on. Are you hearing me? Talk to me this afternoon. It's an anticipator. That's what hope is. I'm, in, I'm anticipating. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Most air conditioners today, right across buildings, houses, and all, most air conditioners, they have a thermostat, but they also have this thing inside called an anticipator. Meaning, let's say you set the room at a certain temperature. When, the, when it feels that the room is getting hotter than what you set it at, the anticipator kicks off the AC so that the room begins to cool down to the temperature that you wanted or less than. Hope rate works the same way. When the levels of faith are going down in your life and you've been waiting too long and faith is about, you're about to throw in the towel. Oh, oh, hope comes in and says, oh, come on, kick some faith into gear. Remember his word. Remember his promises. He promised you a hope and a future. He promised that if you call on him, he'll answer. Oh, come on. He's a God. He'll remind you of the promises and he'll turn on faith in your life. Hope turns on faith in your life. Hope turns on faith in your life. Some of us today, we need hope to turn faith back on. I need to remind myself of his promises. I know I've been waiting, but he, he's faithful. He's good. He's true. He's a good God. This past week, this past week, me and Diana, we, we decided to get a brand new puppy. <laughs> and um, he was actually gifted to us. We got a little German Shepherd, King Shepherd. And uh, he's absolutely beautiful. Five weeks old. We called him Zion. Come on, it's a strong name, Zion. I think we might have a picture of him, but he's beautiful. Five weeks old. Yeah, he's handsome like his daddy. And um, so he's beautiful. Now, 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 the thing is, I, where I live, my, my nephews and my nieces live down the street from me. Like, we live really, really close. And so my nephews and nieces have been going crazy. Like, they want to see Zion every single day. Like, Theo, Theo, we're going over the house. Theo, I want to see Zion. Theo, Theo, Alex, I want to go see, I want to go see Zion. Every single day we hear knocking on the door. Like, my nephews haven't been over my house that much in that long. Like, every, day, every single day they've been over. They just want to play with Zion, hang out with Zion. And, and I get it, right? And so the other day, I picked up my nephews to run some errands. And the night before, he had told me, Theo, Alex, can I, can I come over and see Zion tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. Yeah, buddy, you can. Just, you, you come play. I need you to tire him out because he doesn't stop crying all night. Um, and so... Um, but before that, I had to run a bunch of errands during the day. And so I said, look, I'll pick you up. Let's run some errands. A few of us will go do some things. And then we'll go home and see Zion. The whole day, you should have seen how he was. <laughs> I'm going to see Zion. Tonight. I'm so excited. I'm going to go see Zion. Wherever we went, I'm going to go see Zion tonight. They would ask him, Lucas, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm going to go play with Zion tonight. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go play. I think my grandparents called, well, my parents, his grandparents. And he picked up the phone. He's like, hey, hello. I just want to tell you, I'm going to go see Zion tonight. I'm going to go play with him. Like, he was just anticipating the whole day. Because he knew what was coming at the end of the day. Oh, we may be in Publix now, but a little bit, I'm going to be with Zion. <laughs> he was excited, right? Oh, we may have passed up by the office and, and deals working, but I know that before the day is done, I'm going to be with Zion. Before his pillow hit, before his head hit the pillow, he knew he was going to be with Zion. Can I tell you, some of us, we need that childlike faith in our life again. Oh, come on, it's living with anticipation. A.W. Tozer, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, said we need to declare war on the mood of non-expectation. So many believers. Hey, you're excited for 2020? Mm. Mm. Oh, come on, I believe God's going to be for you. He's going to do something in your life. I say that every year. Where's your expectation at? I thought you serve a big God that's able to do it. 
Oh, but it's been a hard year. But he's able to do it. He can cause rivers in the desert. Oh, he'll make something in the dry land. Don't you know the God that we serve? And all of a sudden, you're going to give up hope and expectation. I need somebody to let expectation rise on the inside and say, he will make a way. I'm excited because I'm going to see his promises. I know I may be going through a hard time, but I'm going to see his promise today. I'm going to see his goodness. I'm going to see his faithfulness. I know that my God is real. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can think, ask, or imagine. Somebody believe this this afternoon. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I'm going to see Zion today. Come on, we need to live with that kind of expectation. Look what Micah says, Micah chapter 7, verse 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. That's anticipation. Hope is the anticipator that comes and helps us live with expectation. And when you have expectation, you live getting ready. Oh, I'm single, but I'm brushing my teeth every day. I'm putting on cologne because I'm getting ready to see the promise of God in my life. Oh, I know my marriage is not fixed, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak like it is fixed already. I'm going to believe that God is going to bring my son home. I believe that that addiction is going to be broken off. Come on, anybody living with expectation? Get ready. Live with anticipation. Hope. Hope is the anticipator. But number two, hope is also the advancer. Hope is also the advancer because sometimes waiting gets tiring. And when we're waiting, we're going to want to throw in the towel and say, I'm, I'm done here. I'm done. God, you know how long I've been praying for? I've been six years praying for my husband. His head just gets harder. I just can't believe it. He doesn't understand. He doesn't. Right? God, it's been years waiting for this breakthrough in my life. God, it's been months waiting for this job. And if you're not careful, you'll, you'll start to lose faith and you'll, you'll start to lose strength. And you'll say, I'm, I'm done. But when you have hope on the inside, biblical hope, it comes to help you advance in the journey after God. You don't get weary. You don't get tired. In fact, it, it almost comes like, like a shot of adrenaline to help you keep going. Can I tell you, it's not another song that will give you adrenaline. It's not another sermon that will give you adrenaline. It's hope in God that will give you faith to keep going. This past Thursday, a few of us got together to play uh, football here early in the morning before thanksgiving we call it our annual calvary turkey bowl come on we do it every year it's absolutely amazing and and uh, this year my team absolutely crushed the other teams all the other teams abs- absolutely demolished them and it wasn't for our glory it's for his glory it's all his doing but um next year we might do kendall versus city versus west come on somebody it's gonna be great uh, but the Calvary Turkey Bowl, we love it, have a lot of fun. I think they've been doing it for like 10 years now. And so we came early Thursday morning, and the guys were ready. Like, the guys came pumped. Some of them came with cleats. I didn't even bring cleats. I'm like, is this serious? Okay, cool. And they came with cleats and all that. They were getting ready, thank God. I think Jersey brought like three pairs of cleats. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll put on some cleats if that's what it takes. And, um, like, people were just pumped, ready. Band- I think Danny had a bandana on and everything. I'm like, Rambo, what is this? Like, oh, my God, these people are serious. And as we're getting ready, this guy brought out like a protein shake and, and he, he grabbed some powder, protein powder. He grabbed some powder and it was a pre-workout powder. Like, you know what a pre-workout is? Pre-workout helps you keep going. So when you, your muscles start to get tired and all that, like it gives you like a shot of adrenaline. And he just grabbed the protein and the, the pre-workout, put it in his water and shaked it up, drank it. And Rah! I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the game. I'm like, oh, okay, brother. I thought we were just here like to praise God in football. Ah, ah, let's go, let's go, let's go. Ah, and I'm like, 
I, I just want to go have turkey with my family after this, but it was excited. I'm like, some of us don't need pre-workout. It just comes natural. I just want to say, but anyways, um, we still beat them. But, um, but can I tell you, <laughs> hope is a lot like that. Like, he took that because halfway through some of the games, if he started to get tired, oh, he was going to have more energy than all of us because when all of us were like, we're done, it's been four games, we're done, we're going to go have Thanksgiving. He was ready to keep going, rah! My pre-workout came in, rah! But can I tell you, when you have biblical hope, it kind of works that way. Because when everybody else gets tired, I'm done waiting on God. He hasn't answered my prayer. My marriage is still a mess. My son is still addicted. Come on, we can walk around like, ah, my God is faithful. Oh, he helps me advance. I've gone one mile, but I can go two. Come on, I can go three. I will wait on God. He'll give me new strength. He'll make me soar like an eagle. Come on, anybody glad that we got hope in God? And hope will give you strength to advance. Come on, somebody. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who, what? Can you say it like you mean it? Come on. Those who hope in the Lord, says he'll renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Biblical hope. It comes to help you advance in life. Biblical hope is the anticipator, it's the advancer. And we'll close with this. Biblical hope is like an anchor. It works like an anchor. Because life will cause you and I to drift. Like we're living in this world that one day you'll get a phone call that you weren't expecting. One day you'll go through some issues and you'll see some things that you had no idea were coming your way, but, but, but hope, biblical hope, it won't let you be moved. It's an anchor for the soul. Biblical hope is the anticipator that helps me live with expectation. It's the advancer that helps me to keep going even when I get tired. And it's the anchor that holds me close to Jesus when the wind and waves come to drift me. I don't know about you, but, but life has caused me to want to drift. This past month, we, we lost our grandma. Our grandma was kind of like the matriarch of the family, right? She, she lived 99 years, a full life, beautiful life. Thank you so much, everybody that texted and all that. We, thank you. It was crazy. It, it was tough. And we, you always think you're prepared, but you're never prepared. And I remember one time, we were all there in the room. We were all gathered together as a family, and Thankfully, she passed basically in her sleep. But, but I was just looking around the room and I said, God, I thank you that I have hope like an anchor. Because when you go through moments like that, the Bible says we mourn, but we mourn differently than how the world mourns. The world mourns and says, I don't know when I'm going to see this person again. But, but I, I was looking for a moment. And I said, I can't wait to see grandma again. Oh, I know I'm going to see her smile again. Oh, I... Oh, I know I'm going to see my grandma again. It's, a, it's an anchor for my soul. When everybody else goes through despair and discouragement, and you go crazy if you have no idea what comes up next. But, but when you got hope, oh, come on, you're anchored in something greater than you. I'm not letting this thing drift me. I'm not letting this thing move me. Oh, I know my anchor and where it's at. And I know where we're going after this life. 
It's an anchor. A couple years ago, I got invited to go fishing uh, from Lewis. He's an incredible leader here at church. He's right here right now. I love Lewis. Lewis is an incredible man of God. I call him Aquaman. This man has gills. He, I, he no, no, no tank, no nothing. He just goes under the water and he's down there for what seems like an eternity. He has a wetsuit on. He goes spear fishing. When he comes up out of the water, he has like 20 fish all in his wetsuit. He's pulling fish out of everywhere. I'm like, I don't think that's safe, bro, but we're just praying for him. But well, this guy's incredible. So he invited me fishing with him and, and I remember Lewis is like, hey, hey, take the boat. I'm going to go under and grab some fish. First time I had never done spear fishing, never, and I'm like, okay, I've never even driven a boat. I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, he jumped in the water and he's down there for a few minutes. And, and I remember, I still remember like it was yesterday. He, when he came up, when he resurfaced, he was at a distance now. Because that day there was some current and some winds, and the boat, we, we had an anchor that he was just going down really quick to look. But the boat moved with the currents of life. Can I tell you, while you're waiting, if you're not anchored, life will move you. And can I tell you, you're the one that's moving. It's never God who moves. Our faith declines and it starts to wane down. And all of a sudden we're like, God, where are you? I thought you were with me. And God's like, I haven't moved. I'm still right here. But hope is an anchor that keeps you secure. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. The message paraphrases it this way. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands. Somebody say with both hands. And never, never let it go. It says it's unbreakable. It's a spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What that verse says that Jesus... After he resurrected, he went to the right hand of the Father. That's where our anchor is. It's in God's presence. So when life wants to move you, Jesus will hold you right there. He's the anchor of our soul. Are you waiting today? Can I tell you hope? Let it rise up on the inside. He'll fill you with hope. He's the God of hope. He'll fill you with anticipation. Hope will help you keep advancing. And hope will hold you like an anchor. Are you waiting? You're in good company men and women all throughout scripture waited come on adam had to wait for his eve noah had to wait for rain to come down come on moses had to wait in the desert abraham had to wait for the promise of god sarah had to wait to see if she could really have a baby at 90 years old david had to wait because he was anointed not yet appointed daniel had to wait in the lion's den Jeremiah had to wait as he wrote down the promises and lamentations. Isaiah had to wait as he described the Messiah and he knew the promise was coming in the future. Nehemiah had to wait to rebuild the walls. Micah had to wait as he prophesied about the coming Savior, knowing that it would come at a short distance. Can I tell you, Mary had to wait as Jesus was now being developed in her womb after the promise of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist had to wait to see if this was truly the Messiah. Can I tell you, every great man and woman of God has had to wait. If you wait on God, he will come through. At the right time, Jesus will come. He'll fill you with hope. He'll lift up your head, and he'll let you know you're in good company. Oh, come on. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Hold on to hope. Come on. There's hope on the way. Let hope rise in you. Give God some glory this afternoon. Come on. I want you to stand up to your feet. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're without hope here today? Are you hopeless? 
Today, are you in here and you're saying, Alex, that's me. I've given up. I've let go of the anchor called hope. I feel like I've drifted. I feel like I'm far from God. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I need hope. I need hope again. I need hope to rise up in me. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Come on, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know today he's going he's gonna to set some people free. He's going to let hope rise on the inside again. If that's you, you say, Alex, pray for me. I need hope again. I want hope to rise. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Father, in Jesus' name, you see every single hand that's lifted across this auditorium. Father, I pray for hope to rise on the inside. I pray that every situation, in Jesus' name, they would know that it's under your control. Every single family, every single marriage, every single addiction, every single problem, whether it's sons, daughters, marriage, single life, healing, in Jesus' mighty name, let hope rise in Jesus' name. Let hope rise in their mind. Let hope rise in their soul. Let hope rise in their spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, I'm praying that hope would come supernaturally like a wave and breathe a breath of fresh air upon our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that burdens may be broken off. I pray that yokes may be broken. Oh, come on. I believe in the hope of God. We serve a God of hope. We serve the God of hope. The God who is hope himself. In Jesus' name, I pray that this season will be a season of hope. Will be a season of renewed strength. Let them soar like eagles in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. Breathe upon us this afternoon. Let hope rise. Let hope rise. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to the promise. Let hope rise over your situation. Let hope rise over your life. Let hope rise over your marriage. Let hope rise over your finances. Let, let hope rise over your future. You may say, Alex, I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing, but let hope rise. He'll direct you. He'll lead you. Let it be the anticipator, the advancer. Let it be the anchor of the soul. In Jesus' name. God, I'm believing people are set free. Believing people are healed in Jesus' name. Open up our eyes. I pray for a fresh revelation of biblical, godly hope in Jesus' name. Let the scales fall off and let our eyes be open to the hope and expectation that we have in you Jesus we hope we're people of hope we're people who who wait but in our sufferings and our waiting it's developing perseverance perseverance character and character hope thank you God come on with every eye closed every head bowed if you're in here today and you feel far from God maybe you're in here today and you're saying Alex I don't have a relationship with God Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I know I'm messed up. I've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, and I don't think God can love me. I want to tell you, he loves you so much. You may not understand it, but I want to tell you, he loves you. The Bible says that all of us were sinners and that sin separates us from God, but God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come die for us. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all failed God. There's not one perfect person in here. We failed God in one way or another. But God in his everlasting love, he sent Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. The Bible says that he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders and he went up to a cross at a place called Calvary. And there Jesus gave his life for you and for me. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today, you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. If you're here today, you're saying, I need forgiveness of my sins. With every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. If you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness. 
I need a brand new beginning, a brand new start. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to know who I'm praying for, who's taking this step. More importantly, I believe God has seen you take this step of faith. Hold it up just for about five seconds, and then you can put it right back down. Every eye closed. Come on. The church praying, if that's you. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I want a relationship with God. Lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Lift it up as high as you can. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Amazing. Father, we thank you for all these hands raised. Come on, with eyes closed, head bowed. I'm going to ask all of us to repeat a prayer together. My prayer doesn't save nobody. It's faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We will be saved. All of us together, let's say this prayer. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, church, can we... Can we put our hands together for all those people that raise their hand?